Hey, Cinemaxic fans, this is your host, Max Liedem, at Max Fozzie, here to tell you that Cinemaxic 2.0 is almost ready for launch. We have been hard at work building a new podcast studio where we'll be recording and shooting live-streamed videos, plus dipping our toe in the water of YouTube. That's right, we're starting a YouTube channel. We're really excited about doing that. On top of that, the high-quality audio that you guys were used to at the beginning of the podcast for about... 40 episodes or so is coming back. Jordan, our producer slash seducer, is back from overseas with all of his audio equipment, and we're going to be starting to record in that high-quality audio that you love and are used to. So we're very excited to have that back as well. A whole bunch of exciting things to come, and stay posted on the Cinemastic Podcast feed. We'll be releasing news on when to expect these changes to take place sometime this fall. We're very excited and thank you guys so much for listening and the continued support of our podcast. Hey Cinemaxic fans, Max here to announce the opening of our very first ever Cinemaxic merch store. There you can find exclusive merch with our Cinemaxic and Force Vision logos and designs on hoodies and tees. My personal favorite being the Icon hoodie. And by exclusive, I mean not exclusive at all and you can buy it as much as you want, whenever you want, forever. So literally the exact opposite of exclusive. And guess what? We made it as cheap as possible to make it as easy as possible to buy. Shirts start at $15 and hoodies at $25. That's a steal right there, my friends. Here's a link that you can find in our podcast description. That is teespring.com slash stores slash the dash cinemastic dash podcast dash store. So many dashes. Buy it. Wear it. Support the podcast and tell your friends. And as always, watch on. All right, so we did an entire probably eight minutes to enter this damn podcast, and I didn't have the whole thing recording at all, period, the end. So we're just going to dive right into this thing. On today's episode of Cinemaxic, we're going to be talking about J.J. Abrams and WB's overall deal. What does that mean for Harry Potter? What does that mean for DC? We'll talk about it next. Ad Astra is getting great reviews. Heading to theaters this weekend, starring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. And it's a space epic type of thriller thing, and we're going to talk about that, all the reactions, and so on. Birds of Prey released a new poster from Margot Robbie as producer. Looks kind of funky. I don't know what to think of it. We'll discuss that as well. We're also going to do a little bit of TV talk, talking a new series such as Fargo Season 4 and the new streaming service Peacock. And at the very end, we're going to talk about Jurassic Park short film Battle at Big Rock. That's all happening right here, right now. It's time to dive in. This is Cinemaxic. So that sucked that I didn't record anything. I would have liked to have a cold open like we do, but, uh, you know... (laughs) This is what happens when Tim joins late. He can't. He can't. You know, check all the boxes. I. You know, he. He's the guy who. <clears throat> I was. I was in the meeting at six thirty. Yeah, I. Uh, I. Uh, I was right on time. Well, right on your t- your time. I said six thirty. 
anyways, you know, the, we, we lost a whole bunch of gibberish and nonsense that you guys probably skip over anyway. So this might be a good episode for you. You don't know. Anyways, I'm your host, Max Lee and Matt Max Fozzie, as always, with my two compadres, Tanner Rush at Danger Rush. How are you doing today, my friend? So good. And <laughs> Jordan just texted squad, all caps, my man. All right. At t- then, uh, we got our buddy Tim Reichmith here at Timtress. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm um, hot. It needs you know, to cool down. I'm a little warm, too. Hey, I signed up for Title Boxing Club, so I'm going to get hot a lot. Ooh. You guys want to – You're always hot, though. Want to hear a hot story? Yes. So our third How hot is it? Might have to take my shirt off for it? Yeah. You're th- okay. <sighs> Our thermostat, I guess, the batteries, because thermostats run on batteries, um, died or was dying. And in the process of dying, it decided to just randomly change all its settings. So it was like 9 o'clock and noticed it was feeling way too warm in here. Go out. The display is set to Celsius for some reason. And I don't know the conversion in my head. European listeners can back off. Um, yeah, which we <laughs> sure we've covered plenty of countries. We case. just we just lost all two European listeners that we had. I, I don't know, <laughs> but or maybe physicists or chemists as well. Um, but it took me forever just to get it to go back to Fahrenheit. When I finally did, uh, it was eighty degrees in the apartment. Oh Jesus. That's my hot story. It's better now. Well, good. I would actually been dead long before I would have discovered that if it got up to 80 and I hadn't noticed. Um, wow. Okay. Well, uh, let's just dive right into this episode because there's a lot to cover. A lot to cover. The first thing I want to talk about is J.J. Abrams and W.B. signing an overall deal. Now, something I'm curious about to get your guys' thoughts on is what does this mean necessarily for WB? What does this mean for J.J. Abrams' production company, Bad Robot? For me, what I'm looking at here is obviously J.J. Abrams, he he signed with WB over Apple um, and and turned down more money from Apple to sign with WB. Um, Now, here's the statement that they put out about it. It's WarnerMedia and AT&T are delighted to launch a long-term collaboration with our world-class partners and colleagues, J.J. Abrams and Katie McGrath. We are extremely excited about the potential to deliver remarkable and memorable stories and characters across multiple platforms to audiences around the world. J.J., Katie, and all of Bad Bad Robot bring extraordinary vision, exquisite filmmaking, and exemplary industry leadership to this endeavor and our company. Um, so for all you don't know, Bad Robot is J.J. Abrams' production company. Bad Robot is, you're going to see that little red robot in a field kind of swing by in the opening segments of movies. Uh, and that goes for like the Cloverfield movies and that goes for various different things that J.J. has produced. And you obviously know J.J. as the uh, director, writer and director of Star Wars Episode Seven and Episode Nine. Um, kind of helping revive Star Wars after the prequels. And he also brought Star Trek back to the big screen with the Star Trek one. And uh, did he do Star Trek Into Darkness or did he just produce? I think he may have just produced on Into Darkness. Um, so what do you guys think this means? What do you think this covers? I Someone asked me this. What do you think? Do, do you think this means anything for DC? And for me, I thought this meant 
all properties in Warner Bros are completely not off limits. You simply, for me, you, you, you simply don't sign a guy for that much money and don't have him working on all your properties, including your major ones. WB owns DC. They own Harry Potter. They own Hanna-Barbera. The Hanna-Barbera, of course, Scooby-Doo and uh, Johnny Test or Johnny Quest and uh, various other things like that. So what do you guys think of this deal and what do you think this is going to impact and where do you think JJ is going to go first to get his hands on what property? Um, boy, uh, I can see JJ getting into uh, Harry Potter films, either maybe doing like, focusing on like the american school or something like that or even taking over the fantastic beasts franchise yeah um that'd be exciting that seems to fit more his what we've seen from him than like a superhero movie especially a dc movie because dc i think is still trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing yeah um and I feel like JJ not knocking on him as an artist, but he's kind of like, he's the director you hire to do a job and maybe not one of the more experimental or kind of artsy things like we're seeing with Joker or birds of prey kind of has more of an indie vibe to it. Yeah. I mean, JJ definitely is more blockbuster. He's more big big tent pole films. And JJ has always struck me as someone who is as equally interested in the business side of filmmaking as it is, as he is the, the process of actually making a film as a writer, producer, and director. Um, And that's why I think you get so much of his production is strictly tent pole films for the most part. Um, And, you know, yeah, he is that guy you hire to do a job, but for the most part, according to his track record, he is going to get the job done really, really well. Oh, sure. So, go ahead, Tim. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, he, I mean, he's done a great job. I'd be really excited for him to dive deeper and and, and expand upon the Harry Potter universe, especially with his works with HBO, you know, maybe doing like an horror series or focusing on the American side. But I mean, you've seen it with Star Wars and, and Star Trek where he, he comes up with material that's already been created or I guess like a fan base and then expanding upon it and making it his own without doing a complete rehash. So, well, actually that's a lie. Force Awakens was a rehash of A New Hope, but for everything else, I think, uh, I think it'd be pretty exciting because, I mean, as you mentioned, WB probably doesn't want to use him for superheroes or he doesn't want to focus on DC. So, Harry Potter is a very large project that they have that they could really expand upon and be successful with. See, I, 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 I 100% disagree with, I, I, I really disagree with the idea that he wouldn't be one interested in doing uh, anything superhero wise. And two, that WB wouldn't have made that a stipulation in his contract when signing like, Hey JJ, we're going to give you the freedom to create under our umbrella. But at the same time, we're buying your company for a shit ton of money. And there's a couple properties that are our biggest properties that are struggling right now. Uh, Fantastic Beasts is, uh, you know, doing well because Harry Potter will always support it. But at the same time, critics aren't, 
entirely loving it. And the fan base isn't entirely loving it. Even though they'll support it, they don't love it like they did the Harry Potter movies. And on top of that, DC is still, like like Tanner said, it's still trying to get its shit together. But at the same time, this is like a universe still very much needing molding and very much needing to be fifth to find its true direction. Um, I think JJ is a hundred percent interested in getting into a superhero, a, a do a superhero film, whether as a writer or producer, I wouldn't say maybe directing, but I would find it shocking if WB doesn't say, Hey man, we're going to need you on these properties. We're going to need your opinion and your input and your, your creative expertise with a lot of these films to help hone a vision. Yeah. But I, I mean, I can, I can see Abrams doing a superhero movie. I, I don't know off the top of my head what DC character I think would be a best fit for him. Um, but DC needs needs its Faggy and it needs its John Favreau to kind of get it going. And uh, which obviously, I mean, Faggy wasn't a director, but I don't see Abrams as like this, you know, ten year plan. Uh, creative, you know, master mind to kind of shape the DCEU. I, I don't see him well, taking on that role. It's interesting. It's interesting because not that he can't. It just doesn't seem like him. Well, I, you know, I don't know because um, I think with Star Wars, just pointing that out. I think if they asked him to, you know, set a creative vision for these movies and be producer and, and really like help hone the vision. I think he would have done that because I think since he's done, since he did the first one, the, you know, episode seven and he came back for episode nine, he had a, a vision for how these movies could go. I think if, if, if Disney really wanted to, he may not have directed all three, but is everything okay? <laughs> I, I think someone just fell off the bed. Um, but uh, with, I think they would have absolutely uh, been okay with him taking the reins of the entire Star Wars universe as maybe producer and also writing and, and just kind of making, being the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Um, a couple things to point out too is right now, the most latest thing he's doing with Star Wars, uh, with, with superheroes, he's writing a Spider-Man comic series with his son right now. Which it's true. Which just opened up to pretty big acclaim. So there's that. On top of that, J.J. Uh, Abrams in 2002 wrote a script for a Superman movie called Superman Flyby, and he has storyboards for it and everything. So he's had interest in doing a DC movie at least since 2002. Um, if that if that interest waned or if that interest isn't there anymore, that's one thing. But there there's strong connotations that he very much still likes the idea of doing superhero media and doing superhero things uh, with movies and TV. So I, I, I think that there's very much a chance he could be on board to help shape the DC universe. On top of that, you have James Gunn, who's doing Suicide Squad right now. And if they do, if they keep that relationship fresh with him, there's been rumors, and I honestly, these are completely unfounded, I think. I, I don't know where these rumors started, but there's rumors that uh, WB is hoping to have James Gunn and JJ kind of team up to be like a Kevin Feige of DC and help 
guide and shape the universe on where it's going to go forward. Um, and I think, I mean, I would be excited for that, but, um, and then also, yes, the Harry Potter properties, I think JJ could definitely, uh, would definitely dip his toe into that as well. Just given the massive property that it is, I think he probably has some ideas for a cool Harry Potter film as well. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that's JJ Abrams and WB overall deal. Um, Pretty interesting, pretty interesting. Um, in theaters this weekend is a little movie called Ad Astra's featuring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, when the trailer for this thing first dropped, I wasn't entirely sure how I felt about this um, at all. I, I kind of felt like it looked like just a boring space movie. It just didn't grab me. But as more trailers have dropped, they picked up the marketing. It's gotten more, I just feel more and more interested in it. Um, it's sitting right now at 84% fresh certified on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and just a couple of reviews uh, from the New York Post, Johnny Olensinski, um, when somebody asked Brad Pitt what he did this summer, here's how he should respond, resuscitated my acting career. So that's exciting. On top of his, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, apparently he has a great performance here in Ad Astra. Um, Dana Stevens from Slate says, a movie that for the bulk of its two-hour and two-minute runtime, I watched in a state of hypnotized delight. That's what a lot of people are saying about this film, is that it's this otherworldly space flick, almost more in line with Interstellar than it is Apollo 13. When I was watching this, I was thinking it was like, this kind of looks like a way too realistic take on a space movie. And I like Apollo 13, but I didn't know if it's something that I would go see in theaters type of thing but it's looking like this is smashing with critics and uh, audiences alike. What do you guys think about Ad Astra? Are you going to see it this weekend? Um, does this movie have your interest? Yeah. yeah. Any, any space movie for me, I'm going to go see. It looks really good. High action. So I'm going to check it out this weekend. I don't think I'm going to get around to it this weekend, but I'm definitely going to try to see this one in theaters i like big big bold sci-fi yeah it, and it looks i i'm i'm actually really really psyched about it the more the trailers have come out it just looks like it is sci-fi it's true sci-fi and um i love that shot on the trailer of like that moon base where there's that old school neon sign of some uh cowgirl like kicking up her legs or something like that it just gives you that kind of new space noir feeling i don't know if that's what they're going for but it looks like to be a, a mystery of sorts and a sprawling space epic and i'm excited to see tommy lee jones again in a big big time uh a blockbuster type film and uh, i'm really excited that brad pitt's getting more work it seems like he took a backseat to maybe do more production and be you know more involved with his family and thank god he's you know kicked his family to the curb and he's just ready to start acting again right oh yeah interesting um yeah i've heard nothing but glowing reviews but ign gave it kind of a mediocre review yeah i uh apparently it's really slow but like that's fine that's fine i'm okay with that um Sometimes I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much I trust IGN's reviews anymore. To be honest with you, I, I was no. excited that they gave Joker a ten. They rarely do that, so I feel like there's some, there's some semblance when they gave the Joker a ten. Like, oh well, they rarely ever, ever, ever give a movie a ten. I think the last movie they did was The Dark Knight. Um, so it's, it's uh, 
few and far between. So that caught my attention a little bit at least. So um, yeah, at Astra, something to keep on, uh, keep on watch. I'm definitely going to see it this weekend. Um, Birds of Prey dropped a poster. Margot Robbie posted a picture to her Instagram revealing the new poster for Birds of Prey. Uh, it, it's funny to me because this is kind of already taking the marketing route of Suicide Squad, where Suicide Squad from like its first poster and trailer looked like a kind of dark, gritty superhero movie. And everything after that got uh, absolutely blown up with rainbows and bright colors. Uh, Birds of Prey, first kind of uh, poster and everything was just dark black with gray metal letters and like this pink kind of outline on the outside. And this trait, this poster here is uh, just completely blasting you with color. There's a giant rainbow gradient behind Harley Quinn. Harley of course is wearing her, you know, typical um, super colorful outfits. Um, and then there's the birds of prey characters with wings that are all colorful almost like parrots i don't i didn't know parrots were birds of prey maybe they are um so yeah looks interesting uh did you guys take a look at this poster uh any thoughts that you have about this poster looking at it right now um boy i feel like this movie is going to be really annoying (laughs) i do not know about this aesthetic at all it looks like harmony corinne kind of glam trash i don't know i you know people weren't liking the poster but i think people were missing the idea of the poster i understand why they don't like it like they're they don't look like they're all wearing like normal fucking clothes like this does not aesthetically look like a superhero movie or comic book movie and maybe that'll set it apart and that's not necessarily going to make it bad i just i feel like I see a misstep in the pro in, in the making. <laughs> it could, it very well could be. Um, you, well, what the poster, what I think is trying to convey, by the way, is like when a cartoon character gets whacked over the head really hard sure. and the birds fly around their head. I think that's what is what they're trying to convey with this poster. So I like that. I don't know. You, It's up to you if you think they executed it well enough. I thought it was somewhat creative. Um, but yeah, there's some definite concerns here. Uh, Black Mask, uh is wearing his white suit and everything but he's wearing a very stylized white suit with uh and not the black mask yeah some sort of tropical shirt underneath and then not his signature black mask um black canary is wearing like bell bottom royal blue pants with a gold top and not like anything like black canary ever has worn i think huntress looks okay in this poster Victor Zaz looks like some sort of stylish uptown boy who apparently is a murderer because he has the scars and everything for what he, you know, he gives himself a scar every time. Oh, is that the guy with the bleached hair? Is that supposed to be Zaz? That is Victor Zaz, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here. I'm a little... God, this movie looks like it was made by the Suicide Squad costume. Yeah, I'm a little... director. I'm a... The Oscar-winning Suicide Squad costume director? Yeah. <laughs> That's Oscar winning too. That's true. Um, but it, it was great costumes. Doesn't mean it fit the characters at all. But uh, for, for you know, Black Mask, who in the comics is this ruthless kingpin 
you know, mob lord who wears this awesome black mask and he usually wears a white suit and it just looks badass. Um, here it looks like they're giving him the Joker and Suicide Squad treatment where they're making him some over by curious, uh, over, you know, the top pimp daddy like character, which doesn't make bike what by curious what like yeah it's like they're like it's like a like well apparently the rumor is Ewan McGregor's character uh, Black Mask is gay in this no problem with oh. that with them being gay it just for me like they're in apparently what the the rumor is is that he's like this over the top like kind of flamboyant character and I'm like that's you mean like metrosexual or something yeah yeah yeah. just like the Joker was just like the Joker was in Suicide Squad sure you know he's doing this like yeah kind of metrosexual vibe and it just isn't what the character to me is supposed to be so I'm a little annoyed by that that they're doing it again with Black Mask and 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 you know right after they didn't learn a lesson apparently from Joker being like that it's just like you know I just don't get why they hire these bigger actors to play masked characters. And then because it's a big actor, they're like, okay, well we need their face to draw them in. So they don't end up wearing the mask for any significant parts of the movie. You could fucking hire anyone and then just have someone do voiceover and still put their name on the poster, you know, to draw the crowds in and not have to pay them as much. Like they should have just done what they did with Captain America. They found a great actor to play Red Skull he, he was wearing that red skull for most of it, but he wasn't famous enough that he needed to be seen the entire movie. And yeah. it was great. So I don't, you know, I love Ewan, but like, come on. Like it's, so I don't know, man. This His movie, name is Black Mask and he's not wearing a fucking mask. Yeah, well, like, dude, there's a, there's a, oh God, I read apparently a leak and this could be, you know, spoilers here, guys, if you don't want to hear anything about this, but it's apparently a leak uh, that he doesn't wear black mask at all. The wouldn't entire surprise movie. me. The only time he wears anything like a black mask is he wears a black domino mask at one point in the movie, and it's you know like what Robin wears, and it's not the actual full black mask ever. Uh, apparently, also there's no costume, so Black Canary doesn't get her iconic like fishnet, leather jacket, leather like pants, uh, like just kick-ass outfit ever in this. Um, and uh, the worst part about this rumor is apparently the entire film, Black Mask is trying to recover a diamond, um, a priceless gem. And uh, uh, Cassandra Kane there, who is the uh, teenage girl in the red hoodie, has stolen this diamond, and Black Mask is trying to get her and kill her because Cassandra Kane swallowed the diamond, and so he needs to find her, and he's going to cut it out of her to get the diamond back. Um, what the leaks indicate is that he didn't want the diamond. Apparently the diamond was a secret hard drive that contains his dick pics and he's just wanting to get his dick pics back. And if that doesn't sound like you serious, I am dead serious. And I'm going to be honest. Oh my God. I'm going to be honest. I read this leak guys and it read like a actual legitimate leak to me. Like, you know, when you read leaks and you're like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Right. You're just like, that just sounds completely out. I read this and I was like, this sounds a hundred percent like what, <laughs> what this movie's going to do. And uh, I'm going to yeah. be honest, it might piss me off so much. I don't want to give any money to any DC movie ever again. Maybe Batman, 
uh, I just like that would piss me off so much. Like, are you serious? I just, oh man. Look, like, yeah, I don't know about the leak, um, but you're right. Just looking at this poster, honestly, I wouldn't put it past what I'm looking at right now. And just Margot Robbie, I guess, is a producer on this, and it looks like she's just completely hijacked this movie. And, like, she's a good actress, but, like, that character is not part of the Birds of Prey. And I can understand with comic book movies and adaptations in general, you want to change things around. But there's a difference between making changes and then just not getting it. And everything I've seen from this movie so far looks like someone just didn't fucking get it. Yeah, well, what you could point to, the main thing, why you know they don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We got to see the movie first, but like off first glance, how you know they don't get it. Birds of Prey is a group that is led by freaking Batgirl. Like that. Right. Is, and there's no Batgirl in the movie. There's no Batgirl as far it's as It's fucking know, Harley Quinn. <laughs> in this movie. And they replaced her. Yes. They replaced Batgirl with Harley Quinn, who has never been ever at any point ever a member of the birds of prey or associated with them where they're she's like working together with them so it makes zero sense whatsoever that she is the lead character of a birds of prey movie it just doesn't make any sense now what they're planning to do apparently is birds of prey is first the sequel to birds of prey is going to be gotham city sirens which would introduce poison ivy and cat catwoman and have harley quinn which that that's what gotham city sirens are it's harley Catwoman and a uh, Poison Ivy, and then apparently the final movie is going to be Birds of Prey versus uh, Birds of Prey versus Gotham City Sirens. Um, I don't know what to think about any of that. All I know, uh, all I know is that this is like it's dumb to me that they don't have Batgirl in this. And the only thing I can think of is that they want to have a Batgirl series and want to launch her independently with a Batgirl movie. And I don't know why they couldn't just you know have Batgirl be in this and then have a full-on Batgirl movie be next or have a prequel movie to this. I don't know. I don't get it. I've never understood really DC and what they're doing. It makes zero sense. And uh, you know, I'll still see this movie mainly because I'm excited to hopefully see some cool DC Easter eggs and DC bits. Like for instance, I'm really hoping an Oliver Queen Green Arrow name drop happens here, but given Black Canary is one of the main characters of this movie. But uh, you know, Tim, you've been awfully quiet. You probably hate this. Yeah, I don't really care about this movie at all. Um. Also, just. The poster, the flying, the flying bird people around Harley Quinn's head—they're not even in her line of sight. She's looking over them. This is such a shitty poster. <laughs> like, it's unique though. It's, Gotta give them that. I, I yeah, it does get your attention. But the more I look at it, the more I just—I'm angry. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I—I I don't know. I don't know. And the subtitle. Uh, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So I guess that's, you know, Harley Quinn leaving the Joker, which isn't going to mean a whole lot because I don't I thought it imagine was Harley Quinn going the Jokers back to, the to the 1800s and freeing the slaves. Uh, I don't see Jared Leto Joker showing up in this movie. 
apparently uh, that's not happening. It's just going to be so stand-in guys her, who will be who will resemble his Joker, but it's not going to be actually Jared Leto. So how's the emancipation going to go? Like she just kind of uh, runs across the birds well, of prey, well, and they're going to be like, "Hang out with us," and then well, she shoots just, a text to well, the Joker, and well, that's it. Well, like, let's see. Let's, what see. The fuck? let's let's watch the movie. Let's give it the. Benefit I don't need now. to. I don't it's need gonna, to. It's, it's going to be a modern day breakup where you do it over text instead of in person. I can see this being like worse than Suicide Squad, and I'm not just saying that because I've got nothing but a bad feeling about this movie. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't. Know. I will. I mean, I, yeah. I. I don't know. I don't know. And I was excited when I first heard like Birds of Prey. Not that I'm familiar. Again, I'm more of a Marvel person than DC. But just the idea of like an all female team, like I'm like that's cool. That's unique in comic book movies right now. Let's go for it. But then everything I've seen so far, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I could see it. I could see it doing well. The movie getting reviewed well and getting like good reviews based off of like the power of feminism alone. Like people just not want. I mean, people, I don't. Know I just don't want that. Wanna, they just don't want to dislike the movie because they're like, oh, it's got to be good. It's a girl power superhero team, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I want the movie to be good. Period. I I'm gonna see this movie on opening night. I'm I'm still excited for it because it's got Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Huntress characters i care about um but you know i could i I could see that happening i could see myself walking out of there thinking that was terrible but seeing to have like 89 percent because you're like well we gotta support our girls type of thing and there's nothing wrong with supporting like like, i'm not making a sarcastic bit out of that i'm just like i feel like some movies do get that like are getting this trope of like well if it has to do with like any semblance of feminism we have to support it or we're gonna get like you know, rampaged on Twitter type of thing, you know? Yeah, I can see almost like a Captain Marvel scenario going on where the kind of stupid controversy surrounding the movie overtakes the conversation of whether or not it's a good movie. Yeah. Oh my God. I I still have zero. Dude, I like three months after that's been released on Blu-ray, still haven't seen it and I still have zero interest to see it and people have told me it's not good. So I just like, I don't, I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I just like you know, it's one it's, of those. It's okay. It's not bad. Not great. But you know what? I was at Target the other day and I saw like a little girl wearing a Captain Marvel T-shirt, and I'm like, that's cool because when I was that little, I don't remember seeing little girls wear superhero shirts of any character. Well, I mean, so, let's let's not let's not say that. I mean, there was a Birds of Prey TV show. There is the Justice League Unlimited with Wonder Woman as the main character. I never saw anyone wear Birds of Prey. Look, all I'm saying is saying superheroes. Media out there with female superheroes, right? But you, there's it's more of a. I mean, obviously, duh, because of the Marvel phenomenon, superhero comic book stuff is definitely mainstream, and not only that. But it's connecting with more uh, audiences and generations and different demographics than when we were little. And that's just kind of fun to see. Speaking of demographics, for this next topic, this, this rounds up all three of us. Couldn't be more excited for this. Warner Bros. has optioned rights to Funko and Warner Animation Group will develop and produce a film based on the distinctive collector's figures. 
Lloyd Taylor has been set to write the script. For close to 20 years, Warner Bros. and Funko have partnered on licensed collectibles from beloved franchises, including Batman and Harry Potter. Taking an option on motion picture rights, Warner Bros. moves its Funko relationship to a new level. Um, <laughs> that's from Deadline. That's in Please no. We're getting a Funko movie, boys. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> Better or worse than the Emoji movie? We're getting a Funko movie. The only well, way I, I think see- Lego movie is maybe a more... Yeah. apt comparison here well, the only way i see yeah, it the lego a, movie is actually pretty good the lego movie is great the only way i see this being a success if it's painfully aware of how stupid the idea of a funko movie is and uh that's really the only thing i could think of like, i i don't it has to be very aware of well <laughs> we're already getting funko video games now there's uh gears of war pop or whatever which apparently is actually pretty fun but i haven't played yeah it. I just, man, that E3, when they rolled that out, I almost shit myself. I was laughing so hard because that conference was already a disaster. And you see the gears kind of come up and people like, okay, at least this. And then it's Funko (laughs) Pop characters. At least (laughs) we have our gears. Yeah. Fucking Funko head pops through. And they they did go on to announce Gears 5 immediately after. But, like, why on earth would you lead with Funko Gears? But anyways. Just getting that out of the way. But, yeah, that's the Funko movie. Uh, That's news. Um, We'll we'll follow that, I guess, as more stuff comes. I'm hoping that doesn't actually come to be. Moving on to our next segment, TV Talk. That's right. We, we mix this in every once in a while, give our opinions on TV, just to give a little bit of diversity to uh, what we're talking about. Um, on today's TV Talk 2 we, uh, segment, we have uh, Lord of the Rings is filming in New Zealand. That is confirmed. Amazon is going to make that happen. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, the aesthetic in Lord of the Rings was great. Uh, it definitely seemed like it was in a completely faraway land. Uh, New Zealand is um, uh, very... Uh, it can be adapted in various different ways and uh, it, it and to be to, to look very very cool and very very different um if that makes sense but uh yeah what do you guys think about lord of the rings filming in new zealand going back to where it all began with the movies the tv show is doing it as well uh, tim i mean i'm, I'm excited new zealand's a great country there's a lot of cool stuff that they can film there. Taika Waititi from New Zealand. Yeah, maybe Taika will be in it. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, Kurt Urban. Carl Urban. Urban. Carl, Carl Urban. Gosh, Carl Urban. He may be in it. And there's not much to report on that, really. I mean, Will Poulter was recently cast as a lead role, and yeah, and, uh, he's, not... he's got to be an elf. There's no way you can look like that and not be an elf. He's a good actor. I've started turning around on him, but the very first thing I ever saw him in was that Chronicles of Narnia movie. And uh, it took me a long time to get over that. You know, I, uh, I've only seen one Chronicles of Narnia movie and I just thought it was okay. So I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about that. Well, he's in the third one and is quite possibly the most annoying movie child to ever be put on film. Those eyebrows can't be beat, though. Those are intense. Yeah. Um, NBC announced their own streaming service, like everyone else in the world, uh, 
their streaming service is going to be called Peacock, bringing original content to their app. Uh, it's going to be free to watch with ads, or you can use the paid option to skip over all ads. They're bringing stuff like Battlestar Galactica back. It's not a reboot, but continuation. They are bringing um, properties. It's getting rebooted, though. It, it, well, it sounds like the guy wanted to clarify. It's not a reboot. It's like a it's like in the same timeline. It's not like completely undoing everything. It's just like continuing, I guess, is what the heat. Oh, yeah. but it is new. It's new. It's a new show. It's a new show. Okay. Um, there's some other original uh, shows coming to that, uh, but they're also pulling Parks and Rec off of there to be on the Peacock streaming service and as well as The Office is going there. There's also new rumors about that The Office is going to get a reboot. I... You know, I mean, I think it's inevitable. So, like, why not? Just go ahead and do it. It's it's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. Uh, is it maybe too soon? Probably. It's. I think it's probably too soon to reboot classic TV series. I really do. I don't, I, especially of The Office's significance, especially because I think it's still culturally significant to this day. Uh, it doesn't necessarily yeah, reboot it. Isn't, isn't The Office, like, becoming more popular than it was when it was actually live? Dude, oh Netflix. yeah! Oh my God, dude! Uh, it was it's it was Netflix's top. It was Netflix's number one most streamed show. Uh, it's I, it's unbelievably popular. I don't. I I just I don't like the idea of them rebooting it. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's more of a grab to get audiences to to go with their streaming service. Well, yeah, and also you know we're very close with the show The Office. We love all those characters. We've seen it a hundred times through. It's so we definitely are gonna have a different opinion on this. I guess I don't I, I don't know who the show's for because everyone who, I mean everyone's like, are they making it? I I guess what I'm trying to say is that like even eighth graders today and seventh graders today who are age appropriate to watch The Office are still able to watch the old office and enjoy it 100%. So I don't know who they're making this for. Um, unless it's like a reboot as in they're bringing back cast members and characters and they're going to do like, a, they're going to try and revive it um, and to do something unique. Oh, uh, I hope not. I'm not that big of a so I don't, I don't, the only I way don't think I like, they're going to be able to bring back Steve Carell or John Krasinski. Right. Well, the, well, John. Well, John said he would come back anytime. He said he would do it in a heartbeat. But the thing is, is I think the Office, for all the flaws of eight and nine, season eight and nine, it had a perfect final episode, as perfect as you can get for a final episode. Like it's, it's arguably one of the greatest final episodes of all time. And uh, I would not want that to be ruined. So if they were to do something like that, limited series, like eight episodes, eight or nine episodes limited series um that makes sense where it doesn't feel like it's such a huge reunion and a big you know breakup again everyone's going their separate ways but more of like a thing that happens in their lives like hey this makes sense and it's no like big dramatic ending again because i i would water down the ending of season nine um but yeah i mean are either of you fans of arrested development oh yeah uh, so yeah, I watched it. Yeah, the the latest season that they did, they essentially brought everyone back, but just due to that the long lapse of time, it was so hard with the continuity. I I'm just afraid that they're going to try to force things. It's just not going to flow very well, and then it's just it won't be that good. I mean, I was not a huge fan of the last season. It I mean, they had a lot of struggles because a lot of the actors couldn't actually be filming in the same place. But 
I don't know. I, I, I just think it's, it's too, it's too far away to actually try to, you know, make a limited series with the same actors, but it's too close to just do a full on reboot. Yeah. I, I'd only, if, if John Krasinski jumped on and Jenna Fisher and, and, uh, Rain Wilson and even Steve Carell, especially, he would be the key point. If they all hopped on, but if Steve Carell hopped on, that would make me think, okay, there's obviously some, there's a good idea. There's a good idea somewhere that Steve Carell thought it was worthy to come back for. And if he were to come back, then I would be okay with it because he didn't come back for eight or nine at all, other than a snippet. And cause he was pretty firm in his idea of not, you know, wanting to come back to the show. Um, so if he came back, that would be different. But yeah, so Peacock, NBC streaming service. It's also going to have movies. It's a pretty damn good selection of movies too. I'm pretty impressed with it. Um, but you know, if it's a free option, if it's free to stream, I'm okay with it. I'm annoyed that there's ads now that I have to stream The Office. But you know, if they do like, I, honestly, I wish they would do just an Office only subscription, a dollar a month, and you get to just watch The Office of Parks and Rec without ads. That that would be great. But <laughs> you know, I. Uh, not to get political with this. I don't know. I just saw some Instagram meme the other day where someone was like, you people who watch The Office on repeat are the reason why Trump got elected. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if that's true. It gave me a good chuckle. Um, yeah, I've got no real love for The Office. I enjoy it, but it's just, I, I have friends who they just have it on in the background as they're going about you know that's, that's one of the best things too. It's a great background. But it's just, you know, I'm in the minority here, but I'm more of a Parks and Rec person. Um, no, I agree with you there. I think overall Parks and Rec is better, but The Office is better Shut episodes. Your damn mouth! It is not better, dude. Yeah, it is. Look at the from so when you look Michael at the office from when Michael leaves to the last season, the office sucks. Yeah, Parks That's and Rec picks up and maintains its hilariousness until the very end. That's not fair. That's like, you can't just let's just like saying yeah, let's take freaking Amy Poehler or let's take uh, uh, Nick Offerman out of the show and uh, try and make it as good. It wouldn't happen. That's not like the office. Right. Is anything you judge it on seasons one through seven the office should have ended when michael left that should have been the last that's fair to say but let's just say it's seasons one through seven season one through seven the office is better a hundred times better than parks and rec nah Nah. Mm. moving on moving on i think the office again i think the office is better episodes like they're the office's best episode is better than parks and rec's best episode but parks and rec is very consistent they don't have any down episodes, and throughout all seasons, their episodes are good. I don't think The Office. Now we can move on. I don't think The Office has a down episode through seasons one through seven. They may have had they had plenty in eight through nine, but anyways, moving on. Fargo season four cast Timothy Oliphant, um, Oliphant. Again, I don't know how to pronounce his last name as a, in a lead role for that. Uh, this is going to be Fargo season four with Chris Rock as the uh, main character. I believe it takes place in Kansas City. I love this series. I've really, really enjoyed the Fargo TV series. I thought Fargo season one Wait. was some of the best I've seen, period. I think it's better than the movie by far, too. That's, that's probably an unpopular opinion. But I, I watched the movie after I watched the series, and I thought the movie was nowhere near as good as season one of the TV show. Um, but, yeah. Um, 
Uh-huh. It takes place in Kansas City? I thought so. Well, it, the, the whole series... It doesn't take place in Fargo? Well, the whole series doesn't take place in Fargo, really. It well, takes... Why the fuck is it called Fargo? Because there's things going on in Fargo that, like, come... It, like, it leads to the place where they're at. Like, the police are from Fargo. There's an investigation in Fargo, and it's... You'd have to watch it, but it's... it's okay. All right. It's, it's really good. Um, but, yeah, that's basically... I just wanted to mention that uh, for those Fargo fans out there, like myself, um, big fan... Can't wait for season four. Uh, I think it's it's just great TV, and especially season one. If anything, you need to watch that. Moving on to our feature presentation of today's podcast, there was a Jurassic World short film released. It was called The Battle at Big Rock. Um, eight minutes, very quick, but very tense um, and very high budget. Really, really, really well made. Um, directed by Colin Trevorrow, who is directing Jurassic World 3. Um, and I think they're doing something great here. I, I think they're really on to something. Um, I love the idea of dinosaurs kind of commingling with humans on like mainland America and how we would interact with them and how dinosaurs interact with us. There's a lot of great ideas to be had there. And I thought Battle of Big Rock was a just like real, like just smashing success and, and to kind of bring us in what Jurassic World 3 is going to offer. Because I thought Jurassic World 2 may have been a little bit of a dud. Because I really liked the first one. The second one I thought was just okay. So I thought they did this third one to kind of reel people back in. And I thought it was a great clip. A really, really great clip. What did you guys think of the short film? Um, uh, I, I didn't care for it. Yeah, I, I, I never I, saw Fallen Kingdom either. I, I like I like the idea it suggests, like you said, Max. Like I I would love you know, now that they finally have dinosaurs on the mainland, um, which is really what the this whole new trilogy should have been from the beginning. And I think Trevorrow just couldn't figure out how to make that happen in the first movie. And then uh, Fallen Kingdom, that only really happens like at the very end. Um, but so, like, I don't know. I They could take it more like a horror route, you know, like have like a group of kind of like the short film, but maybe like a group of campers. And there's like, I don't know, one or two velociraptors stalking them in the woods or something. That would be neat and fresh. Um, but as far as the short film goes, there's a lot it presents about the state of the universe that does not make sense to me. Um, that everyone seems to be aware that dinosaurs are on the mainland now um, and they just haven't been taken care of yet. I feel like the National Guard could wrap that up fairly quickly, you know, having guns and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they're aware that these dinosaurs are out and about and people are still going camping in areas with dinosaurs out and about um, is odd to me. And then the fact, the whole thing is kind of just, it has it's sort of like a condensed Jurassic park movie in some ways, all the, every Jurassic park movie 
kind of just tries to copy the first one with certain set pieces. Like you have a group of people stuck in a vehicle with some trying to eat them, and then little kid does something ridiculous to save the day. Yeah, I wanted to smack that baby. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. And the fact that, like, they're just he chill. His, he didn't cover his mouth. It was starting to cry. Right. He did, they're, like, and, they're, like, trying to, like, it was, it's okay, it's all right. And just, like, throwing a fit and, like, cover that baby's mouth. Shut that baby up. And they're just so chill watching the Triceratops family move. And they're like, oh, they're not meat eaters. But it's like, yeah, they'll still fucking kill you. <laughs> like, a rhino will kill you, and they don't eat Yeah. A hippo if, will kill you and they don't eat. Meat. If I'm camping in like three buffalo walk into the campground, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's, it's, it's only buffalo. I'm fine. Like, <laughs> or a dude even worse, a moose. Let alone like a 10 foot tall dinosaur um, that has giant horns on the end of its face. Yeah, and they tried to be cute having the Triceratops family, you know, they, they rally together and fend off the Allosaurus. And then the real human family does the same thing at the end. It, it mirrors that. I, I thought that was, by the way, I thought it was hilarious uh, when that baby dinosaur is about to get eaten. And the guy's like, it's all right. This is just nature sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, like, he was trying to, like, this, like, like, thinks this is a moment for a life lesson for his children. It's like, no, you moron. There's a giant monster that could eat. <laughs> Eat you in two I, seconds. I was really curious. I was like, that was curious. I was like, why are they so calm with a freaking 25-foot yeah. giant carniv- carnivorous dinosaur right outside by the fire, and they're just watching out the window? I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, that thing just literally ripped your trailer to shreds, and uh, and you guys were just like, oh, this, is, this, is, this is okay. And it's like, I, I, that was a little dumb. Yeah. I thought it was super intense, though. That's just, that just comes with the territory sure. of Jurassic I, Park movies. So it's like you got to have that suspension of, of you know, belief. Um, uh, so, you know. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, but so this, the, the little girl puts some crossbow shots, bolts into the Allosaurus. Does she hit him twice? Are there two bolts that go into his head? Yes, I guess there is. No, yes, because it's one right I think after there's two or three. Yeah, um, unless that's like a double-barreled crossbow, that's not fucking possible. Like, there's no way she reloaded a crossbow and fired off a second shot in under a second. She's been practicing. No, no, no. She was she was on the she was on the Iron Fleet when they shot down one of Danny's dragons, where exactly. they just kept ripping them off. She was just she right, and she is she's a she is. Just a regular Keanu Reeves. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about modern crossbows. I can't say I know anything about crossbows at all. But from what I understand, you have to pull that string all the way back and then lay a bolt into the little track or whatever. And those things have quite a bit of resistance. I kind of, it's just... No, there's no way it happened. It's a movie about dinosaurs, but like, I know how crossbows... probably work and that just it yeah. was so dumb like they could have just had her fire off one lucky shot but no they're like no two 
two. Yeah, that didn't make that didn't make sense. I'll have to take a look at it. Maybe it was like a three the three shooter or something. But, but what <laughs> what this what this did for me though more than anything is it does provide like where the Jurassic Park slash World franchise could go next. Even outside of the third film, I think the third film we're definitely going to get obviously dinosaurs living amongst humans on mainland like mainland America and the world and everything. And I think that's interesting. But I, I'm curious where it can go next if they're going to go with like a planet of the apes style style thing where you know world gets overrun by these dinosaurs and they have to set up dystopian cities and stuff here's here's my question okay and uh, i was also thinking about planet of the apes the new movies while watching this is that i understand all the dinosaurs are released at the end of fallen kingdom i haven't seen it i just read the wikipedia plot summary um I cannot imagine that there were enough dinosaurs for it to be a viable breeding population. So again, you're getting a relatively small group of dinosaurs that could be wrapped up pretty quickly by the military. And the same thing with Planet of the Apes, like again, a giant army of chimpanzees and gorillas, like that's scary for like a day can be taken care of. But what Planet of the Apes did was that there was the plague element that decimated the human population. And I almost wonder if, if they're wanting to go this route in Jurassic the, the world, the third one that like the dinosaurs are becoming dominant um, on the mainland, then they're going to have to <laughs> find some solution to make like, you know, human technology like i don't know to kind of even the playing field yeah because it works on the island because it's just people with no experience no real weapons yeah um in close quarters with these things but it's just yeah and that's another thing you know we're just gonna have to kind of see and wait what the movie introduces see what 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 they explain and how they explain it and you know we'll either buy into it or think it's bullshit you know it's one or the other but um, that's what i'm saying it should be jurassic parks and recreation (laughs) it's like the same night the dinosaurs are lit out there's some nearby campground and you just have one dinosaur kind of going ham and people yeah. freaking yeah, out in the woods. Cool kind of do like a Cloverfield Lane type of thing where it's like, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's just a more condensed, almost indie style horror movie. I like that. Um, all right, guys. I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. We covered. Well, hold time. on. What? We not talked about what we watched. You know, we didn't, and we will have to. We'll have to cover that next time. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> I saw a new movie. <laughs> Well, it, you know, save that, save that for next week's episode. Cause I, got, I got a pot of soup boiling on the oven right now, and uh, and uh, I'm fixing to eat that pot of soup right now. Is what I'm fixing to do. So uh, we're gonna end this episode. We're gonna do that because I forgot to do that at the beginning. Uh, Tim's uh, barely said anything. He has not said a damn. Hello. Tim might as well not be on the podcast. All right. Um, thank That's you. It's not so his much. fault. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Um, as always, my buddy Tim Reichmith at Tim Trist on Instagram and on Letterbox, and at Danger Rush here, Tanner Rush on Letterbox on Instagram. 
Uh, we are almost there to our back to our studio, back to our high audio quality. So thank you for hanging with us for so long. Be sure to check out in the bio of this uh, episode for Cinemaxic merch from teespring.com. Uh, it's really, really cool. You can buy stuff really cheap. I made it like dirt cheap. We don't make any money off of it. It's just for you guys to have. If you, if you want some merch from a very unknown podcast, you can do that. It's fun. Get, um, get ready for spooky movies. Get ready for spooky movies. We're going to definitely have a spooky movie special coming up, talking a lot of spookiness in these next uh, few mo- in a couple months, next uh, month and a half or so, with spooky season kicking off. And uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We'll have a new Force Vision sometime next week, as long as news permits. And keep checking oh, out. Oh, well, there's a there's a lot to talk about. Sorry to keep interrupting you. Never mind. No, that's fine. No, we'll, there there is a lot to talk about, and we will definitely we'll definitely cover um, that on Force Vision next week, and we'll have another Cinemax Tech for you next week as well, guys. You know where to reach us: Cinemax Tech Pod at gmail.com, Cinemax Tech Pod at Instagram, and Cinemax Tech on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll be looking forward to you reaching out. And uh, thanks so much for listening. As always, watch on. Bye. Bye. Bye.